You are now listening to The Art of Reinvention by Teflon John, where my goal is to inspire you mentally, physically, financially, and spiritually. And I just want to help you grow the garden of your mind. I just want to change the world one person at a time by giving them motivational advice, inspirational advice. And right now, I'm glad that you're tuning in to the podcast show. So we want you to sit back, open up your mind, and just absorb all the content. Please share this content across all of your social media platforms as it will help this show grow. Sit back and enjoy. One love. Be blessed. Tonight's episode of the Art of Reinvention Show is brought to you by Imagine Salon, where we cater to all hair needs and promote healthy hair, specializing in blowouts, cutting styles, weaves, braids, color, kid styles, and much more. Imagine Salon, located on 2613 Wards Road and can be reached at 434-237-1234. Imagine Salon, where beauty is everything. Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's your boy Teflon John coming to you courtesy of the I Am Teflon John brand and the Auto Reinvention Talk Show. Today, I was blessed to have a special guest, Keisha Bowling. I was a guest on her show, so she's returning the favor, and I can't wait to to hear what she wants to talk about. So, Keisha, you want to introduce yourself to the people today? Absolutely. First of all, thank you for having me on the show. I'm so anytime, excited. Anytime. Like Jonathan Teflon said, my name is Keisha. I am an author, motivational speaker, and I am an advocate against the fight for domestic violence. So that would also make me a domestic violence survivor. Oh, wow. Okay. So why motivational speaking? Because a lot of people ask me that. So I just want to hear your story and how you got into it. Sure, absolutely. Um, I think that I got into being a motivational experience definitely because of my personal experiences and the encounters that I did go through. And that haven't been with domestic violence. So as I grew up, I realized that there was there was a lot of people talking about it, but not really a lot of people talking about it. You mm-hmm. get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I felt like it was my duty to tell my story and to for those people who were silent that were still in that fight like I was. Like I didn't talk a lot about being in an abusive relationship. So for me, being able to go out and talk and share my story to someone who may grab that thing and and feel hope from it and feel mm-hmm. like they can leave that relationship, who feel like they can be empowered by my story. It kind of just inspired me to continue to go out and talk to people regarding that. Okay, so do you feel like that gives you a sense of closure with what you've been through? Mm, I don't think it gives me a sense of closure. I think it gives me a sense of fulfillment okay. more because I'm able to reach those who, like I said, may have went through what I went through. Yeah. And I just don't want to see someone in an abusive relationship. Yeah. You know, I have been in the grocery store or walking to the car and I've seen it. Mm. And I also have seen people around not say anything. So I did not want to be that person anymore. So I get fulfillment from being able to help someone who may not know how to go about getting help. Yeah, because I feel like for motivational speaking and just helping, I feel like it it actually gave me closure. Because a really? lot of things yeah. I went through and yeah. I just felt like... Yeah why you talk to yeah. god you wonder why mm-hmm. 10 years goes by yeah. 15 years goes by and you're right. like okay so what i went through is actually helping other people come out absolutely and they don't have to go through because you know when you're going through and you feel by yourself mm-hmm. it's a mental darkness that yeah. that, that you'll go through yeah you know it eludes I mean? you yeah yeah and that is definitely a good point i think not really also although even with the fulfillment i think it brings a lot of healing yeah. To me, I mean, even though I've been out of this thing for 10 years now, it's still, every time, I, every time I tell my story, every time I hear someone else tell a story, I remember something else. Or I feel another part of me being healed from telling that story. So I definitely think that, you know, the healing aspect of it happens every single time I open my mouth. Okay. Now, I remember seeing um, clips of your, uh, of your stories, mm-hmm. like a brief synopsis of, of your story online um, could you go into a little bit of your background of absolutely of what happened and how you got into this yeah. um, um, stage or um, cycle of, yeah cycle yeah yeah absolutely well when I was younger uh, my parents <clears throat> got a divorce and I don't want to blame that uh-huh. you know on where I ended up 
but I do think it kind of had a little bit to do with it because once my mom and dad were not together anymore, I started to go out and look for validation and started to look for someone to love me and just wanted to feel needed and I wanted to feel wanted. So anything that felt like love to me, I grabbed that thing. You know, I grasped it and I allowed it to just entangle me now because now I know when I look back, it was more of an entanglement, mm. you know. So I was looking for something that I feel like I necessarily did not get as a child. And so in looking for that, I found all the wrong type of relationships. Wow. You know, I found um, the guy who was really sweet in the beginning, charming, always nice looking, super tall, you know, everything I wanted. Mm. But then months later, uh, go down into, you know, when we're living together or, or even before then, and the subtle pinches or hits or pushes or chokes or something like that would happen. And before I knew it, it had turned into three different abusive relationships over the span of a 10 year of 10 year period so i definitely feel like it was something i was searching for and it was something that i allowed to come into my life because i had i had no idea what love was right i had no idea what real love was or unconditional love and i had no idea what normal love was yeah so when i found this type of love i'm thinking this has to be it right this has yeah, to be your first, first yeah. experience with it so it became normal mm -hmm. it almost became normal to me and people that are not in abusive relationships or have no knowledge of it they think it's sick well if that's all you know yeah and that's all you you mentally mm -hmm. know right that's all we are going to grasp and hold on to so yeah now i would like to dive in there because so many people are judged you know Absolutely. a woman uh a woman or sometimes men for for that reason for being in an abusive relationship mm -hmm. whether it be verbally or physically what goes on like through that transition period where someone where you know them mm -hmm. they're sweet they're kind yeah. and then not when it gets to the extreme but yeah. that that middle where it's starting to change like what goes through through your mind then um through my mind yeah okay. well, like like well, what 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 goes through your mind that you can help the audience understand why someone doesn't just get out right well so it's a lot of different things, and I want everybody to understand that it's just not... Everybody thinks when you talk about abuse, it's just physical abuse. It's not. You know, you have mental abuse, you have emotional abuse, you have financial abuse. So it's so many different types of abuse. But for me, it was physical, mental, and emotional. Because, of course, with the physical coupled, you know, the mental and the emotional as well. Mm -hmm. So um, from the start to... I guess I can say the course of the relationship to the end, it definitely was uh, something that I didn't expect. Um, I had no idea it was even coming, but here I am in this relationship. And so when the abuse started, like I said, it was a little subtle and I was younger, you know, at the time. And so I kind of felt like maybe this is how it's supposed to go. Mm -hmm. And my mindset at that time was, when the abuse started, the one of the um, tactics, the number one tactics of an abuser is isolation. So they want to isolate you from your family, isolate you from everyone that you may know. So you can depend totally upon them. And then, of course, the manipulation comes in. So your mindset changes, right? Mm -hmm. And if it depends on various things that are happening within your life. If you have children, you start to think, okay, I can't leave because where will me and my children mm -hmm. go, right? You start to think, okay, I can't leave because if they are the, um, the, the person who is taking care of the finances, yeah. you start to think, well, I can't leave because they take care of home. Oh, I can't leave because who would want me? So the abuser starts to put all of this stuff in your mind that nobody will want you, right? Mm -hmm. You're no good for nothing. Nobody is ever going to want you. You have children. Well, where are you going to go? You have no money. If you leave, I will make sure nobody else gets you. If you're not going to be with me, you will not be with anyone. So I think a lot of the stuff is definitely implanted in you. And, and you have a fear. Let's be honest. There is genuine fear of leaving and the abuser finding you and ultimately killing you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I think some sometimes when it comes to like, you know, being in uh, what some people call dysfunctional. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you witnessing a divorce. So you really never saw a mm -hmm. a good foundation of marriage. 
So then it's like, when I'm introduced to this, like, this is what I'm trying to figure this thing yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So could you explain how that, like, how that divorce kind of, you know, con contributes to you not knowing, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to stay in here and figure this out. Right. Because I think that we have a good example. Mm -hmm. You know, like, yeah. when we're doing a video production, a lot of times you have an example yeah. of what you're trying to go after. That should be done. So by you falling in love and, you know, being abused, Explain the, the significance of you not having that example to, to follow. Absolutely. Well, I think every little girl wants to be, you know, daddy's little princess and wants to be, you know, at home and tucked in at night and read bedtime stories and, and just treat it like the little princess she is. And I necessarily did not have that. I always love to put out here that, you know, just because my mom and dad and got a divorce doesn't mean that that necessarily had to be the path. For me, but I feel like it contributed because I didn't see that at home, right? I didn't mm -hmm. see, I didn't see the the love between two people how it should have been. I didn't see um, how when you argue, how you are supposed to argue without hitting one another, mm -hmm. without cursing one another out. Yeah. So I just didn't have an example yeah, in front example. of me to say this is how it goes, right? Mm -hmm. So now I, I'm not married, right? So. I always think, and when my children were growing up, I'm like, they don't have a healthy example in front of them. Mm -hmm. So I took so much pride in myself to teach them, even though there was not a, a husband in the home, mm -hmm. I took so much pride in showing them what real love was and teaching my, my daughter that she's not going to become, you know, the abuse. She's not going to become a teenage mother. You know, it was so many things that I had to do to try to, Get that out of them. Yeah. Right? Because my older kids grew up in the house and saw some of the abuse that I went through. So it scared me because there was no healthy example in front of them either. So is your oldest a boy or girl? My oldest is 21. He's a boy. And he would not dream of hitting a girl. Gotcha. I don't know if it's because of what he saw me go through. I, I do think it's that. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's because I took the time to sit down with them. Right? I didn't want my my boys to end up being an abuser and I didn't want my daughter to end up being abused. So, so so could you walk us through that relationship of you and your son when he was younger when it first started, like when uh, he first started to witness it? Absolutely. Um, actually, it was my three children. They were all in the house. My youngest at the time, I believe he was one. Yeah, because I remember him scooting along like with his little thing they had back <laughs> yeah, in the day or whatever. Yeah. And they would be in the house, but I became such a master at screaming, right, with my mouth shut, right? I knew how to hurt. I knew how to go through the pain. I knew how to go through the punches and the bruises and the, the kicks and the cigarette burns. This, uh, I mean, burn, cut with a razor, you mm -hmm. know, right? I learned how to do all of that without opening my mouth because my children were in the next room sleeping. I went through life very naive thinking my kids knew absolutely nothing because I thought that I had did such this, this great job not allowing them to see me cry, not allowing them to see me get hit. Mm -hmm. But now that they're older, they told me, Mom, we saw some things. So just when they were in the house, just younger, even though I was being abused, they never touched the children. Never touched the children, and they loved them. They loved the kids. Mm -hmm. It was just me, right, that they would take their anger out on. So I would make sure that I would always close the door. I knew what was happening. Yeah, I could kind of tell from the course of the day how things were going to go when he got home. Hmm. So he would, they would never hit me in front of the children. I would always close the door, or it would be late at night when they were sleeping. But I, I had to continuously hide the bruises and the scars and the black eyes from my children so they wouldn't ask mom what's that i had to do that all the time i mean it would be sun it would be it would be summer sun out everything and i would wear long sleeve clothing or long pants or i would completely like you know make sure that i had so much makeup on that they wouldn't see the black eyes which mm -hmm. by the way makeup just makes it even worse you can really see what happens because now everybody's like why is she made up like this in the yeah. summertime you know mm -hmm. so i didn't think the kids saw it i didn't think they heard it but they did 
And it was really hard to hide that from them. But I, I thought I was doing a good job. Wow. Like, so, and I, and I know that most, most women that, that are being abused and mm -hmm. most people that, that experience abuse, you have to uh, create this double life. You have to wear a mask. <laughs> now, outside of your kids, what about, like, work, family? How did you How did you juggle that? My family knew nothing. Uh, work, they knew nothing. Uh, going to work for me, and this is in my book, too. Going to work for me became almost like freedom. From 9 to 5, I was able to be me. I was able to talk to men. I couldn't, if, if, if I was in an abusive relationship and they saw me talking to you, looking at you, oh my goodness, that night you didn't, you would not understand what I would go through. Mm. So it became, work became my refuge in a way. I was able to go to work. I was able to talk to people and I was able to just get away. My family had no idea what I was going through. The only person that knew what I was going through was my best friend. And she became almost like a savior to me because I could go to her at any time and say, listen, this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. She would bring me into her home and she would say, hey, let's pray about this. Listen, and she would never beat me up about it. Yeah. She was never that one who said, girl, you crazy. If, I, if a man ever hit me, this is what I'll do, right? She was never that person. She was always that person that said, let's pray about this. And I remember her just dropping nuggets every day about how God loves me. She never confronted me about the abuse. She would just say, you know God loves you. Do you know he has such an amazing life for you and your children? So nobody knew but her. Wow. Wow. You know, it's, 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 it's kind of... Um you know, thoughtful that you had a you had a friend that didn't pass judgment. Yes. And I'm pretty sure that going through that and I know some Absolutely. women that have that have been through that, like you they they get beat up instead of somebody trying to be in the air and understand. Right. right. And uh, and I, I guess you could I guess you could understand why your family would be upset. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, well, do I tell, you know, don't I tell or does it cause a lot of friction? Yeah. So could you give some advice to someone who may not, you know, want to go to someone like you went to your friend. Like, yeah. how how do they confide in someone to let them know something is going on? Yes. And just to be completely open, I never went to my friend. She kind of saw it. Oh, okay. Yeah, she saw gotcha. it. Because I didn't want to tell anyone. It was embarrassing. I was shameful. I didn't know at the time, was it my fault? You know, is he hitting me because of this? Was I really flirting with this person? Was I really talking too long? Were my clothes tight? You know, so there was so many questions going through my mind. So she kind of saw it on me. She saw the black eyes and the bruises and stuff like that. But I encourage anyone who's going through this, you have to have someone that you can trust. And I mean trust with every ounce of you. Because at the time when you're in these abusive, this abusive relationship, you're thinking this man know, or woman may know who you're confiding in. So you usually don't tell because you don't know who's going to say what. You don't know what's going to happen. So definitely have to find someone that you trust. And when you do find that person that you trust, you have to be willing to tell them what is going on. You have to be willing to tell them this is what's happening. This is what's going on in my house at night when the door is shut. And I would definitely agree that that person has to be non-judgmental. You have to have someone you can trust that's not ready to go and, and, and get the boys or get their girls and say, hey, we going over there and confront them. That's very dangerous for the victim. Very, very dangerous for the victim for someone to go and confront the abuser. Because people think, oh, we're going to go confront him. And I'm going to tell him he better not ever do this or her. She better not ever do this mm -hmm. again. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can tell them that. And when, when you leave, that woman, that man is going to have the worst night of mm -hmm. their life. Worst night of their life. So you have to find someone not only that you trust, but someone that you're willing to confide into. Wow. So would you say that was the, the start of your empowerment to, to try to, like, was that your eye opener, like when your friend was getting involved? My eye opener actually was um, when my uncle killed his wife and then killed himself. And I went to the funeral home here in Lynchburg. This was my 
second abusive relationship. And remind, mind you, it was one still after, but my eyes was open at this point. I went to the funeral home and I looked in the casket and there she was laying, but I saw me. Mm. Oh my goodness. I said, at that moment, I said, you have got to get yourself together. You've got to get out of this relationship or you're going to die. This is going to be you in this in this casket. And he wasn't abusive, but it was just me going to the the funeral home and seeing her laying there and what I was going through. And immediately I'm thinking, this could be me next week. This could be me next month. Yeah, so going to the funeral home, I'm pretty sure like now, like, you know, you know, like you said, your eyes are starting to open yeah. and you're really seeing your, yourself. Um, could could you walk me through like what another woman? Because you know I think abusers know, like you can kind of speak the uh, same language of someone who's being abused, mm -hmm. and they know how uh, abusers think. What is that moment like when you finally realize, hey, this is not normal, yes. this is not good, and my life is in danger? Okay, so it's actually pretty scary because at that moment you're trying to figure out what do I need to do now. So you have to go back home and still act like the person that left the house that morning mm, so they won't wow. realize anything's going on because if they see that something has went on they have to go ahead and get those control reins pulled in a little tighter mm -hmm. maybe not let you leave home maybe not let you go to work i've been through that all of that so in my mind i'm like what do i do now i know i need to leave i know i need to get out of this but i don't know how yeah so for me um i started praying I was brought up in the church, but of course I veered off on my own a little bit, but I always knew that my roots was grounded in prayer. So I started praying and just asking God to help me. And I mean, my heart was crying out to him, help me to get out of this relationship. Show me what to do. Show me somewhere to go. So it was extremely hard. The most crucial time for a victim to leave is when she's ready to go right wow. if he's there yeah don't say i'm gone i'm packing my bags i'm leaving no that is the most dangerous time to do that because they're going to get so enraged mm -hmm. you're leaving me so and they're seeing you pack their clothes your clothes has you have no idea what they're going to do so i had to really plan this thing out right when you're ready to leave for anybody who is in an abusive relationship or if you know someone, because chances are we do, mm -hmm. you have to have a strategic plan set in place. I started taking clothing out of my house little by little. Not a lot because I didn't want him to notice yeah. that I was leaving. But I had to have clothing for my children. So I started taking clothing out little by little, putting it in my vehicle. I started saving little by little money because at the end of the day, every night, we had a chest at our bed, actually something like this that's sitting in front of us. He would put my purse, keys, everything in there. And I had nothing because he didn't want me to leave in the middle of the night. Mm. So I'm telling you, God came through because I was, it was a point where his car had broke down and I had to, I had the vehicle. So I went and got a copy of my key. It just all came to me. Go get a copy of your key. Take your clothes. Do this, do that. So it was the strategic plan was set in place. A little bit of clothing, some money, and my car key. And I waited. I didn't leave that day because it wasn't time. I had to wait until it was time to go. And I came home one day and he was drunk off of gin. Oh my God, white gin. And, and he had passed out on the, on the bed. And I said, this is my opportunity. This is, this is my time. And I stood in the doorway and that was for me a valley of decision, I think. Because I stood in the doorway and I said, I really want to kill this man. So at that time I was contemplating murder. I was contemplating killing this man because for all this time, he, me, this lifeless person, that's how I felt at the time. He's hitting me, beating me. And I hate using the word beating because it sounds so harsh. But mm -hmm. that's what he did. And I'm saying, I didn't know what to do. I was helpless. So here he is laying in this bed helpless. And I wanted to kill him. Mm. I wanted to kill him. And I'm thinking in my mind, how can I kill him and get away with it? 
How can I kill him and not go to jail? And for a brief second, a brief moment, that was it. That was my future. And one of my children started crying. And it just made me kind of bring me back to reality. It brought me back to me. I grabbed my stuff up. We had no clothes, you know, just um, pajamas on. We had no shoes on. I put my baby in my arm and I took the two kids out and we got in the vehicle and I was so scared to look behind me. So scared to look behind me because I thought he was going to be running behind me. But he didn't. He never woke up. I left the door to the house wide open. Got in the car, started it up, backed out really slowly, lights off, and we left. But I only left after I put a plan in place. Everybody's like, leave now, go. That's so dangerous. So very dangerous. I had to wait for the the the, uh, the specific time mm -hmm. to do so. And that's what I did. Well, and that's, and that's pretty smart, too, because I think that how you talked about and touched on um, people talking from the outside. Yeah. Because I've, I've heard, um, going back to how you refer to having a bad night, I've heard people talk about nights, you know, you don't yeah. know what I'm going to have to go through. Don't don't speak to me in public because, hey, later on when yeah. everybody's gone. Right. So could you walk us through, like, what, like, the worst night was for Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Actually, it's the worst day. Can worst I walk day. you through that? So um, this day, uh, he had actually lost his job due to something that was going on in his body, and he couldn't perform as well. He had had a plate in his back. So he had lost his job, and I came home. And I'm wondering, why is he home? What's, what's going on? He's usually not home at this time. Um, and he was sitting there and he told me why. That was when the abuse started. So I gradually seen, this is the last abusive relationship. So I gradually saw, felt, all, you know, all the abusive, uh, abusiveness happen. And so one day he says to me, um, I'm going to kill you. And then I'm going to kill myself. The night before, though, it was just crazy. His cousin had been there. And um, I came in and I fixed everybody dinner. And he looked at me like it was the worst thing that I could have done. I'm, I'm a really nice person, really social. Mm -hmm. And when his cousin left, he blamed me and told me I was flirting with him. I didn't even look at him because I knew how he would yeah. react. I knew how he would react. I fixed the dinner. Served it to them, and I went in the bedroom. That was the worst night ever. I remember waking up in the closet because he had choked me for so long. Wow. And I, my, you know, my body went limp. Mm -hmm. and, and I remember waking up in the closet, and my body was cold, and I'm looking around like, where am I? Where am I? And I was in my kid's closet because I went in there because usually when I'm with my children, he didn't bother me. Um, But he said that the next day, he says, you know, this is it. I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to kill myself. Worst day in my of my life. I'm thinking to myself, my kids are going to come home. I lived in Atlanta. I said, I'm going. My kids are going to come home, and they are going to find me dead. I I don't know how they're going to get in touch with anyone. All my family is in Virginia. I just don't know what's going to happen. And I sat on the edge of that bed, and again, I resorted back to prayer because that's the only thing I knew. Mm. And I said, God. If this is going to end tonight, today, so be it. I wasn't scared. I wasn't shaking. I wasn't, I didn't go into a panic mode. I was so calm. And I, I truly believe that God at that moment had just surrounded me and comforted me. But even though that day he didn't hit me, because I thought that was going to be my last day here and I would never see my kids again, that became the worst day out of all those ten, nine, ten years of being in abusive relationships, the day that I thought I was going to die mm. was the worst day I had ever had. Wow. Yes. And so that really took a toll mentally versus Absolutely. the physical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did take a toll mentally um, <clears throat> because now I have to rebuild myself up, mm. right? So after I got out of, the, out of the abusive relationship, of course, I now had to rebuild me. And I let me die. It wasn't even rebuild. I had to build myself because at that point, I hadn't even had a steady foundation, right? Mm -hmm. I had just went from relationship to relationship to relationship. 
from abuse to worse abuse to worse abuse. So now mentally, I have no idea who I am. Wow. Who I think I am is who the abusers told me I was. Hmm. That's what I thought. They told me I'm worthless. They told me you're not, uh, you're not this, you're not that. So that's who I thought I was. So I had to go through a building stage of affirming myself first in the word of God. I had to continue to read. I had to keep saying affirmations. And it was just something that it was a very long, 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 long drawn out process. And it was painful. It was very painful because the only thing I knew, I couldn't go back to that. Yeah. I could not go back to the only love that I knew. So it was it was a hard journey and mentally the toll it took is something I never want to see anybody go through. Mm. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. Yeah. Just hearing that, you know, and just knowing other people that have right. been victims. Um, could you explain the importance of self awareness and self value yeah. to a woman? Like how important is knowing that, having self awareness, having self value, how could having that decrease their chances of being in a in a yeah. abusive relationship. Well, you know, I think that if I had knew who I was, if I would have knew what I was worth, if I would have known what I had to offer, if I would have known that, hey, this person would be blessed to be with you, I think it would have been really different for me. But because of the low self-esteem, I kind of just gravitated to whomever was just there, mm. right? So... Just being able to know the scriptures now, I'm 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 fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, I'm a head, I'm I'm above and not beneath. Mm. You know, I'm the head and not, not the, the tail. tail. You know, just knowing those things empower me because that tells me who I was made to be, who mm. I was created to be. And when you know who you are, you won't allow anybody to just give you any type of love. Yeah. So today, like. I remember being in a relationship. It was it was not long ago. It was a couple years ago. And this was way after the abusive relationships because they ended in 2005. And um I remember a guy, we we had just been talking and he he was acting like he was going to hit me or something like that. Oh, I I cut that quick. It was I was I have been so delivered from being abused mm -hmm. because of who I I know who I am now. It's no way you're ever going to raise your hand to me again. And, of course, because of what I went through. It is no way in the world I would ever allow another man to raise his hand to me. And, I mean, it was so quick yeah. that I said, no, you're not going to do that to me. You are not going to do that to me. I now know who I am. And, most importantly, I know whose I am. Yeah. So, it's no way in the world you're going to hurt me in that ma manner of fashion again. Yeah, because it's almost like, you know, like we are plants as people. Yeah. You, have you ever heard yeah. of phototropism? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's like if you set this plant here and the and the sunlight's over here, you yeah. kind of lean the plant and start uh, leaning towards yeah, the window. Yeah, that's so true. And it, and it kind of reminds me of, of what you were saying. Like mm. you're, you were trying to get to what you thought you, you needed, which yeah. you knew what you needed. Uh, you just didn't know what form right. and, and how true or what real love was. Right. And I think as people, like it's very important to share our stories. Because there may be somebody that's listening and that may be going through Absolutely. what they think is love and realize by listening to you that, hey, like this isn't normal. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right. And I think that the reason why I wanted to title this, you know, domestic violence, is it the elephant in the room? Because I think it's something that, like like you said, we'll see in public. Mm -hmm. No one denounces yeah. it. Everybody yeah. takes it as like a normal occurrence now. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, I think it's on the same level of, of school shootings. Where it happens so much in front of us, we become desensitized yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like even on social media, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. like we're used to seeing um, people dying on social media. Yeah. And now, be, now, now death just becomes a, yeah. another way of life. Right, right. And so, um, like I said, I applaud you for everything yes, that, that you're doing. And I want to touch on, because you always talked about prayer. and mm -hmm. So explain how your relationship with, with God, even though it wavered, how important yeah. that was to, to keep you grounded. Yes. Yes, it definitely wavered. I mean, I was out there sinning, and guess what? I enjoyed it. People say, oh, you know, I was sinning. It was the best, the worst time of my life. No, I enjoyed it. I don't, you know, because it felt good. But it was deadly, right? It mm -hmm. was only for a matter of time. It was temporary. So prayer kept me in a place, and I'm so glad my heart is the way it is because 
when I pray, I can feel God's presence. I can feel him comforting me. I can feel him putting his arms around me, you know, figuratively speaking. But it kept me grounded because I could go to his word and I could read, even though I was going through all of this, Mm -hmm. I could read who I really was. And I knew that I always had somebody to go to, to listen to, when I, who would listen to me, laying in that bed at night, countless, countless nights, laying in the bed, screaming inside and crying inside with my head turned to the wall being able to talk to God was a release to me and something always told me it's going to be okay it's going to be okay did I believe it then no but I always had this feeling that something is going to be okay so being able to have like that best friend you have Mm -hmm. being able to come in and, and talk to that best friend is such a release and just be able to vent and tell them how you feel and tell them what you want and tell them what you don't want Mm -hmm. after you finish talking to them you just feel so much better i felt so much better talking to god even in my sin he was still there yeah picking me up and just guiding me along the way and because you know he sees the finished product yeah he didn't see me in my sin yeah he saw who i would be then mm-hmm. afterwards way down the line today he doesn't see me as i am today he sees me way down the line mm-hmm. and that woman that he created me to be so i had to hold on to that thing i had to tell myself that this is not the end jeremiah 29 11 that's my favorite scripture i'm not going to tell you you got to read it for yourself <laughs> favorite scripture that i held on to and i still read that scripture i still hold it in my heart today and i think it's very important um you know for people to know like you know i've been through personal things as well and i remember um the conflicting thing i think is when you're when you have a relationship with god and you're struggling because you really don't know what's going on right but at the same time i think it's uh it's good to have that word in your heart and to have those those spiritual seeds in your heart because it keeps your mind you know what i mean and when you go through you're like man yeah Somebody went through a third of what I went through, and they're in the, you know, they and they're it. in Virginia Baptist, right. you know, they're in right. some type of right. psychiatric yeah. reward, you yeah. know. So I believe that mm-hmm. having God with you, even though you may not be going through or living the way you want, right, will keep will keep your mind. Absolutely. Um, what Absolutely. would you like to say, or what advice would you like to give to any young uh, girl? Because I believe that this generation is different. Very much so. It's more pressure with Snapchat. Facebook, yeah, and you're really putting yourself out there. I'm, I mean, you'll scroll and see girls like their profile pictures. They got their breast out, yeah. You know, they're wearing like the uh, cheeky cut underwear, yeah. and these are their profile yeah. pictures. Yeah. And to me, honey is sweet. Yeah. Honey can be, you know, it can be good for a lot of things. You know, if if you have allergies, you yeah. can take honey, <laughs> and it introduces you to a little bit of pollen. But I notice if you leave honey out for a while, mm. it starts drawing flies, flies, gnats. Yes. Ants. Mm-hmm. So, how? What is your advice to these young women that are looking? They're like that plant trying to lean to, towards the light. That are looking for for validation in all the wrong places. Absolutely. I think my advice would be definitely what I would have wanted someone to tell me is, you don't have to do that. Now I know that if I would have just stayed on the right path, right? But but I don't go back and change anything because I'm glad what I went through, mm-hmm. so I can. I'm able to help others. But if you just stay right where you are, you don't have to dress provocatively. How do you say it again? Provocative. Okay, there we go. Mm-hmm. You don't have to dress, you know, showing everything. You don't have to um, do the duck lips all the time. Oh, my goodness. You don't have to do that. It it, it gives Who came out, up with that? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I just... I don't know. Yeah, it's like... Oh, my God. Is it still a thing? Uh, I hope oh. not. I hope not. But, you know, you don't have to do that. It is so much good inside of you. It is, and and what what bothers me is people think, oh, just because I dress like that, that's not who I am, mm-hmm. or you don't have to look at me like that. And I get what they're saying. They they're saying yeah. this is freedom. I should be able to wear what I want, and no one look at me like that. Yeah. I understand that. Go ahead. I know you got something. Oh, yeah. It's it's nothing wrong with you know uh, a woman having a nice body or whatnot. But my thing is leave something to the yes. mystery. You know. And 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 it it leaves. Should a woman be raped because of what she has on? No. Mm-mm. She should be touched because of what she has on? No. I do not condone that and I do not believe it. But for me, 
I feel like, you know, be a woman of class, a woman of elegance, a woman who says, oh, no, uh, no, sir, no, 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 no. You cannot have this until this happens, right? You got to get to know that person. You have to, like I said, it's so important to start affirming yourself every day. Mm -hmm. Look in that Mm -hmm. mirror and tell yourself how beautiful you are. Mm -hmm. Go and take yourself out to eat. One of the most liberating times for me was when I went to a Mexican restaurant by myself. Wow. And I was sitting there like, what do I do? You know, I'm by myself. So yeah. I, was, I made myself put down my cell phone. Mm. I made myself put down my cell phone so I wouldn't be just on Facebook or scrolling or whatever. And I sat there and I enjoyed me. I had to make myself get to know me. I never really knew who I was. So I feel like it's so important for young girls, young adults, or even an adult to really take time to get to know who you are. And I'm telling you, in getting to know who you are, Mm -hmm. your whole mindset changes, right? Everything about you changes. And the way you react to people, the people you let in your life, the people you let go, everything changes. So I say, you know, put on your best dress, right? Don't do the duck lips in the pictures. Put on, put on, men don't like that. I don't. Okay, good. I'm like, what in the world? But put on your best dress and look nice and look classy. Mm -hmm. It really does say something about the man that you attract. Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, just being a man, I think that uh, it's, uh, (laughs) do you like hot dogs? Is this a trick question? Nah. You you like hot dogs? Okay. What do you you like on your hot dog? Ketchup. Mustard. Mm Mm-hmm. Onions, chili, sometimes oh, relish. Coleslaw relish. Yes. But absolutely. you know it's crazy if you take that hot dog and you put too much mustard on it, it's mm, ruined. You can't done. eat it. So sometimes I think we do too much. Women yeah. are doing too much. And that, you know, and I think culture is contributing to it. So you see on TV that, you know, because at one point it was, you know, big breasted women wearing it. Right. Another point is wide hip women and right. thick thighs, big, big butts. And yeah. then it's like, Everybody's getting um, these injections. Yeah. Even K. Michelle came forth mm-hmm. and, it messed, yeah, and it messed her body yeah. up. To me, I think men were like eighty percent responsible for that because I think we drive what women mm. do as far as because you know you're going after yes. what what we think yeah. we want. But I think at the end of the day, why you see why most men cheat is because it's almost like they never stay with the person they're messing with. You know what I mean? So it's like. They want substance at the end of the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's, you know, when I buy, like, a, uh, this 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 equipment, I look at the actual specs. Right. And I think that most people, when it comes to, well, most men. Yeah. You know, it's the difference between the wife and, and the, the girlfriend. girlfriend. And I think if you portray yourself as the as a side chick, that's all you would be. Yes. That's all you would be. Absolutely. You wow. know what I mean? How did we get here? I don't know. Somebody needed to. Yeah, somebody. somebody needed I mean, it's crazy because, like, when you look at uh, Instagram, it's, yeah. I, I get tired of seeing. Ugh. If I got to see your back yeah. before I see your face. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, it and, it's, and it's unattractive because I'm thinking, like, okay, if if I get with this mm-hmm. person, right, mm-hmm. if I'm going to be with this person, you're, dry, you're crying for attention. Yeah. So once I stop giving you attention, you're going to. Where gonna, are you going to get it from? You know oh. what I mean? And I, and I think that, um, and, and it's not, you know, the bash women because, you know, men do Absolutely. too. But I think women have, uh, should hold a higher standard. And I think that women control the whole situation, you know. Women control where the relationship goes. When When sex starts. Mm-hmm. How physical so a man can be with you. And I think that now it's like, there's no standard. I remember... If you had a crush on a girl, you had to get your hair cut. Oh, wow. And you had to work that thing for like you two had, months. You had to just write a to letter. Get the, yeah, just yeah. to get the number, you had to work it for yeah, two months. Yeah, yeah. Now you go out, one step drink, and you wake up the next morning, buttoning your pants like, what was your name so, again? Right, right. And or, so, or it's, a, it's a quick DM message, direct message. Oh, man, message. that's crazy. It's a quick Facebook message. Um, so I really want the young girls, you know, because abuse. the abuse started for me when I was a teenager. And it's just so important how we carry ourselves. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not saying that what we wear yeah. should make anyone hit us or do anything. I just feel like, for me, it makes me feel better oh, yeah. when I'm clothed. You yeah. know? So, I just, I, I really want them to have that. I think it's a, I think people wonder if you're, if you do dress like that, do you have low self-esteem? Do you mm-hmm. think so? No, nah, well, I, I think each individual is different. I do too. Like, I know women that, um, that are confident, too. that dress modest. 
Yeah. And I and I know women who are just, you know, blessed with, you know, a figure that dress that way that right. may not mean um any anything about it. But then yes. you, there are some that either went through something, you know, maybe married and no mm -hmm. one's paying them attention. Yeah. Maybe trying to get somebody and they think this is what you know what we do. Yeah. Like when you shop for a car, yeah. you know, when you go in the showroom floor, there's no car flashing the headlights. There's yeah. no car with the alarm yeah. on. It just sits there because yeah. it knows its value. Right. You know right. what I mean? So so my thing is, I think, um, good advice for a woman is just to know who you are. Absolutely. Know your, and know you're beautiful before I tell you or Absolutely. some other man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, even if your daddy doesn't tell you. Right. Your brother doesn't tell you. Right. The man that you're with doesn't tell you. You have to know you're beautiful and embody that confidence. Right. We have to know that, that and this is something I had to learn. I had to know that a man did not complete me. Right. He didn't complete me. He complimented me. Mm -hmm. He added to me, mm -hmm. but I needed to be. And I'm. This is something that you know. This is my next book. You want to be complete. You want to be complete and whole before that relationship. Yeah. yeah. Right. You want to be complete, whole, healed before that relationship. Mm -hmm. If you've ever went through anything, because I'm telling you, relationships, love will have you going through the dirt. It will it's have you going through the motion. Yeah. And then coupled with abuse, like I was dealing with. It was it was really really complicated. It was confusing, and like you said, mentally, it took me through something that I would never wish on anybody. Yeah, and mental abuse, I think, sometimes can be worse than physical. Absolutely. I think that mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying like one can heal from you know even from like physical. if a child is being abused, um, you know you you grow up you're affected yeah. by. It. But I think those those mental uh, yeah. mental seeds people plant in your head, yeah. it can alter the course of your life to where that. to drive you to suicide, mm -hmm. drive you to sleeping around, mm -hmm. or you know, because I think we, we we see people and we judge them like strippers, you know, yeah. people that are not living up you know up up to standard lifestyle, and we often judge. But I'm I'm like, well, something happened for them. To Absolutely, get this that's how I am you too. Something happened, yeah. right? You cannot be judgmental. Yeah, a lot of people are so judgmental of um, people that are in abusive relationships. Mm -hmm. You can't be judgmental. We're not stupid, right? We're not just wanting anybody. Yeah, something happened, mm -hmm. and mentally something is going on. Yeah, and it's and it's hard. And you know, I think that um, because I've witnessed like dysfunctional marriage yeah. that I was a part of. Uh, my father wasn't there and so it's hard for you not to do what you've seen because yeah. it's just this is how and this you. is what I witnessed and I think that um, you know I, like I said I applaud you because <clears throat> there's so many people I think that are in that cycle that don't realize they're in there yeah. like I think they said Harriet Tubman freed thousands of slaves could have freed thousands this more this is my quote but, right here yeah but part of the part of the problem was she was going to slaves and they didn't know they were enslaved they could, yes they said she could have freed thousands of more Mm -hmm. If they just believed and knew that they were slaves. Yeah, and so I think <clears throat> some people don't know, like, hey, the, what you're going point. through, how he's or how she is treating you, mm -hmm. it is not normal. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It is not normal. And it's not your fault. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, and I think that, too, because once you are delivered, I think um, everybody carries baggage in, in yes. life. And sometimes you you're carrying this bag of guilt, yeah. And it alters the relationship of you know you and the ch you and the children that were there, even though they're ready to move mm -hmm, on. Mm -hmm. And even you carry that bag into your next relationship. That's true. You know, and um, like I said, you know, I applaud you for just Thank everything you so you're doing much. because yes. you know it, we need to start this dialogue all over again. Yes. And um, before we go, is there anything you'd like to promote? Anything that you have going on? You know what? I promote all of my stuff on Facebook, uh, Instagram. Uh, my Facebook name is Keisha Bowling. I am Keisha Bowling at Instagram, and my website is www.freeandfearless.net. Everything is there. That's that's the the house to where everything is held for me. Contact forms are on my website. So, like I said, everything is promoted there. I have some upcoming events going on. I have a book I'm working on. I have two books I'm working on. One, my book, and then I'm working on a collaboration where I have about 10 co-authors in that collaboration. So they'll become published authors this year as well. Okay. And they're talking about, we're talking about empowerment. So some have been abused, and I have men. I'm so excited about that. Because men are so, not all men, but a lot of men don't want to share and open up to what they went through. But I have men who are opening up what they went through and I'm so so excited about that so if you follow me on Facebook you can pretty much see everything I'm doing it's just a glimpse into my life 
Wow, great. That's great. Thank and you. Like, like I said, uh, me and Keisha go back to when she had me on her show twice. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, I just believe that this season of my life, God has really established me with people that he wants yes. me to be connected to. So just to kind of wrap everything up, you know, ladies, fellas, you know, whoever, if you're going through something and you don't feel like it's right, yes. then it's probably not right. You know, you should have standards on how people are going to treat you. You should have standards on how you're going to treat people. But the most important thing is you don't have to go through what you don't want to go through. And just saying that, you know, men or ladies, you know, if you're going through something or if you witness something in life that is affecting you, get yourself straight before you enter into a relationship, whether that be the abuser or the victim. I think so many times we're like vehicles out here that have problems that and we need that that yeah. type of mechanic work, Absolutely. whether it be spiritually or mentally. You know, whether it be, you know, going to God or going to like a, psych a psychiatrist to actually deal with your past. These things right here can make us whole and make us function optimal. So now we're worth something to somebody else. So I just want to end with that note. You know, this has been a great interview. Absolutely. I appreciate Thank having you. Thank you for having me so much. Yeah, I'm going to have you back. Don't yes. worry about it. Don't worry about it. You'll be it. back with me. It's just a, like you said, this is the season. I'm telling you just for us to get out there, tell our story and empower as many people as we can. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I hope you all enjoyed, and as I always say, one love, be blessed. Tonight's episode of the Art of Reinvention Show is brought to you by Imagine Salon, where we cater to all hair needs and promote healthy hair, specializing in blowouts, cutting styles, weaves, braids, color, kid styles, and much more. Imagine Salon, located on 2613 Wards Road, and can be reached at 434-237-1234. Imagine Salon, where beauty is everything. We would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Art of Reinvention by Teflon John. And we encourage you to share this episode across all your social media platforms. And we also encourage you to visit our website at www.imteflonjohn.com and follow us on all our social media platforms at facebook.com slash realteflonjohn twitter.com slash real teflon john and instagram.com slash real teflon john and while you're on facebook go ahead and like our page so you can receive first-hand notifications every time we go live with the motivational video or any motivational content and as I always say one love be blessed